I'm Dan Stacey. I'm Charlie Keegan. I'm Barry Worthington. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. Not the result we was all expecting yesterday. We're going to have to take Neil Barnsley too. I think there's a, a lot of mitigating factors to that result. One of them being that Barnsley strikers aren't very clinical, or it could have been a lot more than, than 2-0. I mean, we'll, we'll come to that and talk about those chances in a little while. Well, Charlie, shall we have a look at the stats? There's an unchanged lineup from uh, the Bolton game, and the stats in the game, shots, 9 for Wigan, 19 for Barnsley, so they were, they were completely on top of us most of the game. We had the one shot on target, they had eight. 54% possession to their 46. We had seven fouls committed. They committed 14 fouls. I think some of them, not not always a foul, but we'll get onto that in a, in a short while. Wigan had one yellow card. Barnsley had three. And obviously there was the one controversial red card that got given Wigan's way for Charlie Hughes. 21 minutes in, pretty even game up to that stage. We lost possession in the middle of Barnsley's half and, and, and they broke quickly. But the ball spun Spun a bit clear. Charlie Hughes come across, stuck his foot out, flipped the ball away. Devante Cole's momentum took him over Charlie Hughes' leg, crashed to the floor, and uh, the referee was running, nearly tripped up as he was reaching for his back pocket because he couldn't wait to get there and pull that red card out. I mean, I've seen the replays, especially the one you've put out, Charlie, not. And there is another reason why it wasn't a red card as well. The new ruling for denying goal scoring opportunities rule that's coming this year. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit around that and why we think it wasn't a red card? So obviously in the past, players who were throwing goal and, and brought down with no one there to, to clear clear the ball, so, so to speak, if they were last man, then it's, it's sent off for a, a denying a goal scoring opportunity. But this summer, I believe, because obviously they've done all sorts of rule changes, most of them aimed at the Prem and VAR, but the EFL released quite a few as well, um, as we know with all the, the time wasting stuff and that, that kind of thing. But only fouls that are deemed intentional, um, I believe, are now automatic red cards. And anyone can see with that Charlie Hughes tackle that he's going for the ball. And even in the likelihood that he, he didn't get there, which I think we all agree that he did, but assuming he didn't, He's still going for the ball and therefore it should be a yellow card. So it's it's a massive you know mistake by the referee, A, to give it as a foul, in my opinion, but also to give it as a, as a red card. I think as well, we've only seen the one angle from it so far and it's a very difficult one to see, but the referee's so far behind. If anything, the linesman is the nearest one to him and the linesman doesn't look like he wants to give a foul. And I know they're all radio headsets, so he could have said something, but there was no waving of the flag. But we, I don't think, to my knowledge, we've actually seen an inside match day yet or seen any other camera angle. So there must be one. And if there is another one and it looks like Charlie Hughes, because he has made a genuine attempt to get the ball. And if it looks like he has got the ball, I can only see it going as an appeal to the EFL. And I can't really see what ground they've got to to hold the, the red card as it is. I can only see it getting overturned, to be honest. But I know that's been quite a controversial debate online. I know a lot of Barnsley fans have been piping up saying that, no, it should be a red. It was way too close and it, there was a genuine attempt to get the ball. Just think you can tell the referee was going to have a nightmare when he uh, allowed Matt Smith to rugby tackle someone and receive a free kick for it. That was that was worrying from a from a Barnsley point of view. And then I know I saw quite a lot of people talking about the fact that, you know, we were due to get one, you know, you know, when referees make a, a clear mistake and then they in the back of their mind, they think, right, we've got to make this up to the team. And he's gone a, a step too far by giving us a red card that absolutely wasn't. But 
I think it's quite clear that the referees just uh, didn't have the best game, it's fair to say. I was just going to mention that about the Matt Smith incident because there was two, before the sending off, there was two free kicks that we, for me, committed the fouls on and the referee gave the free kick away and that Matt Smith one, I thought he was going to, when he blew his whistle, I thought he was going to pick a booking up but he actually gave us the free kick and it was it was quite a ridiculous decision. Seb Stockbridge, the referee, he's refereed us eight times previously. None of those games have been controversial at all and I thought his first 10 20 minutes yesterday was awful, so I don't know what's happened there. I mean, for me, something like a 2 out of 10 performance from the referee yesterday, and I hate being so critical of them. That was clutching at the straws, but uh, I, I thought he was terrible, especially in the first 20, 25 minutes. He was shocking yesterday. I don't think he's given a red card this season, and then his first one's the most controversial one I've seen all, all season in any game so far. We're left with one, possibly just one out-and-out defender on the pitch, aren't we, in Kel Watts. I mean, we, we've got our wing-backs in Fleur and Pierce, but the, the players wingers as well. So do you think Sean Maloney should have made the substitution immediately or did he need time to, to see the player settle down first? I definitely would have wanted the substitution immediately, but I suppose that early on into a game, none of the subs have even been out to warm up yet. Uh, obviously, centre-half is quite an important position as well. So maybe the thinking was that he didn't want to rush him on. But equally, Barnsley played two up top. They were you know, obviously threatening him behind, as they did for the red card. And as you mentioned earlier, Barry, just before, you've got to think Morrison on almost immediately. I'm pretty sure when the red card happened, Cal McManaman probably knew straight away that his, his afternoon was over as well because he's he's definitely the one in that front line that would have been taken off. And yeah, I suppose it's one of them. If Barnsley don't score, then we're probably not having this conversation. But the fact that they did, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And if Morrison had been on there, probably would have been able to defend it better. But I guess we'll never know. I think as well, you got to praise Barnsley for how they then managed the game from that point because they just became so aggressive in the amount of balls they were whipping into the box and obviously Devante Cole's first goal the, when the ball got brought in I think it was Sean Clare was marking him but it was exactly where Charlie Hughes would be so they were very smart in putting the balls into those areas and they were relentless with the press and they knew that probably we should have brought a centre back on in time to try and deny that that goal but we didn't and they, they did very well in, in keeping that press on Listen to uh, Sean Clare's interview this morning and he was talking about that first few minutes after after the red card it oh, disorder organised everything seemed to be till we got Morrison on and settled it down a bit and like you said though Charlie he was marking Devante Cole and it was like a bit of a mismatch weren't it you know you know, you did pick Cole out last week didn't you as the danger man and I said he never does anything but there you go obviously youth knows better than uh, experience so well done Charlie I think he's, he's been doing well at Barnsley and I think it's been good for him to have a club that he's had a bit of stability at he's played well over 100 games for them now I think and he has sort of found his feet and I thought he played pretty well yesterday they've not had the best results since that 7-0 but I do think they'll be I do think they'll be top half this season once they once they finally settle into the league when the game started it, it was obvious they'd come to do a job on us because they made it really congested and if you look at the back line was really high and then and they kept it really tight between the defense and, and their attack so it, it congested our midfield and and we're in, in recent games, we've had that space with Smith picking the ball up, turning, driving forward and loads of room around him. It just wasn't there yesterday. So it was it was very obvious what they what they come to do. Frustrators, cut all the space down. And I think once the red card came, it changed the game even more in their fit because we were struggling a little bit to to break them down. And what and, and when you look at our chances, what you raised on the stats, I mean we had one attempt on target in the old game, and that's 
so alien to this team this season, isn't it? But I, I did think you know, they'd come here to do a specific job on us. And it, I thought it was working. It was turning into a very intriguing game until that red card. Again, listening to interviews, Maloney's come out and said he thought in the second half of the first 20 minutes, he thought we really got amongst them. And I, I agree, though. I thought that first 20 minutes, considering we had 10 men, and Neil Collins as well has said he thought we'd come at them a little bit, caused some problems in the second half. I do think that we did. And we seem to run out of steam a little bit, though. When you look at the work rate, Humphreys, Humphreys was dead on his feet at one point. Alan Wang, I think that's the most I've seen him running his been doing a lot of work recently. He's put loads in. Charlie White, Adiko and, and Smith in midfield. You just work the socks off and credit to each and every one of them. Talking about McManaman, though, Dan, where you mentioned that, you know, he, he had to go off. How sorry did you feel for him, though? Because, like you say, you you know he's going to be the one. But he was our one of our outlets, wasn't it? And that put also, I think, put a lot of pressure on Umfris with him leaving as well. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's a real shame. I mean, red cards, in the way we play, kill it completely because we rely so heavily on that sort of four up front, outnumbering either their three defenders or against teams that play back four, we go man to man against them. So that really did that really did affect us. Um, and yeah, like you say, it was no surprise to see his number held up. Um, unfortunately, and he, he can't get a break, can he? Obviously, he's scored that wonderful goal, but he did it whilst injured. So then he had to sort of we had to manage his game time. Then he was pretty much the only one against uh, Bolton that didn't have a, an impact on a goal, part of that front four. Even though I thought he played really well, he probably would have felt as though he, sh- he should have come away with a with a goal contribution. And then this game, he's been hooked less than half an hour in. So it's been a it's been an up and down start for him, but. I think it's positive signs that, you know, like we've been talking about, he was taken off and yeah, Humphrey's got a lot of got of the workload. Lang, as you mentioned, did a heck of a lot of running and was I believe he's the one that got our shot on target with that header that was that was well saved. So I know Maloney said in the interview that it's hard to find positives in defeats, but I think there were there were plenty there and Look, it's it's a it's a weird one. The way we play, it's heavily reliant on being able to keep the ball, and you you need eleven men on the pitch in order to do that. In a in a weird sort of way, if we were playing under Liam Richardson and that old brand of football, where it was just you know play it up and hope for a knockdown and get someone on the end of it, we might have been better placed in a weird way. But fingers crossed, no more red cards because it was it was a pretty pretty brutal watch afterwards. I do think one player as well we need to highlight of just how good a game he really had was Sam Tickle. I thought he was phenomenal. There was one big error where he came out for the ball and tried to head it and he messed it up and it nearly led to a goal. But I think that throughout the game, he probably kept the scoreline down to, to the 1-0 for the most part. Obviously, they scored late on, but there was double saves in there, triple saves. It says on the stats that he only made six saves, but I think it was more than that. He just always seemed to be around. And I I do feel so much more confident watching this side with Sam Tickle in goal than I did last season or the season before with other goalkeepers. I think he's um I think he's phenomenal. That uh, attempted at yesterday was so comical as well. But McAtee, I mean, he's on loan, but I mean, they were all raving about him in the week. He just signed him and he's round tittle and he's got open goal and he put it wide. I mean, it was so funny. It was hilarious that. And then when he bagged his goal, he had to do the the somersault, didn't he, as though he scored in the World Cup final. And I'd have been so embarrassed about the the attempt I'd missed there. 
But tickle, I agree, Charlie. Sensational saves, um, especially in the first half. He had a, a couple of double saves there, didn't he? I know we kept that ball. I, I had no idea. That's what I was saying about uh, the scoreline, you know, 2-0. It could have been so much different, couldn't it? I mean, McAtee missed that chance. They hit the post as well in the second half, didn't they? And then those double saves of, t- of Tickles, fabulous, kept us in the game. I think we've got to put a big shout out to Babarodiko as well. I mean, he went over to know, right back, right wing back, however you want to class it, just before he went off. I thought he was unlucky to go off. We seemed to, at that stage to, I don't know, was we bypassing midfield, but we had Josh McGuinness dropping into midfield and Callum Wang dropping into midfield. But I think on a whole, we were trying to bypass midfield. For his age, very accomplished performance again from Barbara Deco. 20 years of age, you've got to keep reminding yourself of this. I think we've uh, unearthed another gem, though. Absolutely. He's he's so comfortable in possession. I, I, I must admit, the first couple of games that he played, he took a while to settle in um, because, obviously, he'd come off the bench. Now, that's fair enough. But then he started against Carlisle. And I mean that assist. You'll be hard pushed to find a better assist this season. It was it was so good. And against Bolton as well, you know that that little feint he does with his with his body, where he lets the ball come across him and then powers forward with a run. It's it's something that we don't have in the team. And I'm so glad that him and him and Matt Smith are able to to work out this partnership because it gives us a lot of a lot of attributes that we've we've been craving from midfielders. The, the last few years. I'm just looking at Aberdeco's season stats so far and how accurate they are. I'm not 100%, but they are so for score. And it's saying that per game, he averages about 52 touches in the midfield. 100% of them are completed when they're in our own half. In the opposition half, they're at 88%. And I think for a 20-year-old centre midfielder who's coming in and trying to find his feet, I think he's phenomenal. But you're also working alongside Matt Smith, who I think is the perfect person at this club right now to to be sat alongside Adiko just to give him the confidence and, and areas to improve. I think they're a really good partnership. Yeah, and the age of both of them as well, both quite young. Neither experienced at, at league football, are they? You know, and they're taken to it, you know, so comfortably together. And when you think about the players that we've been linked with, you know, for that, that defensive midfield role, uh, we mentioned Jensen Weir. So obviously, we brought Shaw in. You know, he was at Markham last season. To, to have Adiko sat there coming through from the uh, academy, it's another... Massive plus for that academy, isn't it? And it's good to see that continuity. I think as well, Barbara Dico coming through and Matt Smith coming through and the way Gregory Ox stepped up to sporting director. Maloney's obviously doing his thing right now, but is this not also highlighting just how good this data-driven model of recruitment is working? And are we seeing it start to come to some sort of fruition now? Because... I don't think I've actually watched anybody play for us yet that I think, I don't think you're up to it, the ones who have come in. Well, I was just going to say, when I, in the summer, when I was profiling options for for centre midfielders, I found it very hard to find a a defensive, but also ball-carrying option. And I basically came to the conclusion that we wouldn't be able to get one without spending a transfer fee on them. And little did I know we had one sat in the under-23s ready to to step up. So he saved us a, a fair bob there, that's for sure. Just going back to the game, I thought we should have had a penalty. Umfris burst into the box. They had two nibbles at him. Either one could have been given. He lost his footing and eventually went down. He was stumbling a little bit. Seb Stockbridge held his arms up and, and worth playing on. If he goes down for the first one, I reckon we might get it. I think the fact that he had a nibble and he stayed up and then it sort of it looked as though he was... He went down slightly theatrically, but yeah, if he goes down for the first one, I don't think anyone really moans about it which is a shame but we could spend all day moaning about referees and bl- blaming it for the for the defeat I will say I've just seen a brand new picture of the uh, 
Charlie Hughes foul where he has actually got the ball. You can see it right there. I mean, you, can see the, you can see the referee is actually behind one of our other players, so he has no view of it whatsoever. And that's the first picture I've seen so far. Um, obviously, right. we'll post it on Twitter, but you can see that Charlie Hughes' leg is actually on the ball. I mean, looking at that, though, Charlie, Charlie's just shown us he's from... From the, the Barnsley end, pointing upfield, the referee's view is completely blocked there, isn't it? His, his view, he has no clear view of that incident whatsoever. There's two players between him and, and, and the incident, and he's seen fit to produce a red card on that. That's absolutely, get, that's a ridiculous, guess. ridiculous yeah, decision. The reaction of the managers after the game, Sean Maloney, philosophical. Unfortunately, sometimes decisions go for you, sometimes they go against you. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but it's generally hard to find positives in defeats. But when you go to 10 men and as a team player, the way they did for the first half or of the second half, it can't be overcritical. And I think we mentioned that. They put a lot of effort into that. He's also saying, which he says every week, we've got areas to improve on and there's still lots of work to do. And we, we'd all agree with that. And his sentiments at the start of the season where he said there's going to be ups and downs, we're going to win games, we're going to lose games, and whatever happens, we're going to continue to play the way that we're playing. I think, on the whole, the fans have accepted that this is the blueprint, ball on the deck, knock it around, comfortable in possession, and then try and break at, at pace and, and, and cut through the opposition teams. The big, I know you mentioned there about lumping it up like we did under Richardson, might have been a good option yesterday, Dan, but I can't see Maloney ever opting to put his team through that. That we've just got to accept the way we play and, and, and lap it up. No, I'd absolutely prefer it this way than him reverting to that, to be honest. Obviously, it is horses for courses and some teams won't let us play through them. I think it's fair to say Barnsley before the red card where they obviously opened up because they could. They were very narrow and compact and Maloney referenced that in the in the interview himself. But I do think rather than sort of expect teams to come at us and then hope that they do, I do think we need to have a plan for when they don't come at us and we have to break down a low block because ultimately we've cut open two of the best teams or two of, in theory, the best teams in Derby and Bolton who are the two that have come at us. So teams will look at it and they'll look at the Wrexham game and they might look at the first 20 minutes of yesterday and they'll think, right, that is the way to, to counteract. We're going to sit in deep and not let them play through them. And unfortunately... That is what most teams are going to do, and we need to find a way of, of getting around that pretty quickly. Neil Collins, Barnsley manager, very complimentary as well. So sending off changes proceedings. The good thing was, from their point of view, that they capitalised, and uh, they also said that he started the game off well, front foot, aggressive, and he believes they could have scored before they did. Echoes what you said there, Dan, about the way they set up. He also says that we give a, give them a couple of issues today, even with 10 men. And I think they were talking about the second half there. And he says, looking back on it, at the end of the season, this will be a big three points for them. And I, I'm, I'm sure it will be. But talking there about looking for different options, I mean, we've got Tello Asgard, who's, who's out. Transfer deadline this week coming up. And it's always a, a big talking point when you're entering the last few days of the of the window. We signed Stephen Sassin Young. I mean that was a bit out of the blue, weren't it? That came in came in on Friday. Twenty three year old. Fourteen games in the championship for Fulham. Made his debut at nineteen. Bristol City played sixteen championship games. He's played for Plymouth and Charlton in League One. He's an England youth international at all levels. He won the under seventeens World Cup with England in 2017 over in India. And obviously his twin brother's Ryan Sessing Young. And he's a very similar type of player to him. Left or right wing back. Good signing. 
Very good signing. I think that's a really good signing. We absolutely needed cover at both fullback positions. I mean, he he provides it really well. He knows Sean Clare from from Charlton last season, which is good. So if we if we do revert to a back five in certain games, then we'll they'll have a, a brilliant understanding on on either wing back position, and it allows us to do plenty of different things. Obviously, we can play him at left wing back and Tom Pierce behind him if necessary, or we can play. Tom Pierce at left wing back and him on the right and Sean Clare in midfield. It it opens up a, a world of possibilities and it is really good. Yeah, I started to get a bit concerned about whether we get hit with a big injury or a big suspension in, in a key area. And I think that when we're doing sort of wing plays, that obviously is now a key area for us. So with Luke Robinson going up to St. Johnston, I was a little worried about cover at left back. And then to see Sessegnon come in, he has his experience at League One, also Championship, and like you say, just won the England World Cup for the under seventeen. So he's um, he knows how to play at a variety of different levels, and I think I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised with him. Permanent signing as well, and Paul Kendrick put a tweet out this week. Interesting few days ahead of the transfer deadline. I, I don't know he's into that, but already we've been linked with a player. Bearing in mind that tells out Ben Woodburn at Preston North End been linked with a move. Former Liverpool player scored an absolute world for Wales against Austria on his international debut. Also played for Liverpool to a very young age. He seems to be on the perimeter of the Preston squad at the moment. He's been on the bench for the first four games. What do we make of Ben Woodburn, 23-year-old as well. I'd be happy with him with him to come in. I believe Will Keane has kind of taken his spot in the in the Preston first team, so it would make sense maybe to to allow him to come here and, and fill the void that, that Keane left. I, I don't mind it. I think he offers versatility in a number of positions. Obviously, we play if we play the four-two-three-one, he can play in any of the of the three or the one. That makes perfect sense to me. And I believe the well, I, I hope it would be a permanent signing if he cancels his contract to Preston, which I think is what people were mentioning. If it's a loan, I'm not particularly sure because obviously we've already got a lot of cover in that area. And we're kind of at a stage now where if we're signing someone like that and he is only 23 years old, although it feels like his career has, has spanned nearly a decade now, obviously, like you mentioned with that with that Wales goal on his debut. No, I'd, I'd be happy with it. And he gives a lot of a lot of nice depth. I suppose he'd probably replace Chris C on the bench and you'd have to say it would be an upgrade and also allow him maybe to go out on loan somewhere. So I'd be up for it definitely. Yeah, I've not watched him in recent years, but I do remember him starting to break through a little bit at Liverpool and he was a player that always got linked with a lot of potential and people are saying he could be one of the next big youth stars coming through. I feel his career's sort of plateaued. It didn't really hit the heights that we all kind of thought that we we're gonna to get to, but I still think there's a really good player there and just like Sessignon. He's played a variety of different levels, so if we do end up getting him, he is quite versatile and he has got quite a lot of experience for a 23-year-old. So I think like Dan says, I'm not, not really interested if it's just a loan swell, but if we can secure him on a free and we can get him across and put him on a bit of a contract, let's say he has a good season, a good two seasons with us, there could be a bit of a sale value on him as well going down the line so it could make could make sense as a smart business move as well I don't think it'll be a loan because he had a, a, an extension one year extension triggered at Preston at the end of the last season so he's only under contract for the next season so I, I think they'd probably just release him anyway wouldn't they you mentioned about Chris C going out I mean these are sort of the things that could be happening if we bring in another couple of players get some of the young lads out I think Chris C would benefit tremendously from perhaps going to a, a League 2 club and starting, you know, regularly for him. And we have other players there. Harry McHugh strikes me as another one who benefit quite a lot by going out on loan. But we don't want to stretch our squad too thin, do we? So we need need some incomings as well. It should be an interesting week. Do you think there's going to be movements? 
Tom Watson, perhaps, or even Ben Amos. Well, Wrexham need a goalkeeper now after Ben Foster's retirement, and Ben Amos seems like the perfect fit for them. And obviously, he'd follow James McLean down there. And if we can get anywhere near the fee we got for for McLean, I'd be I'd be delighted. Um, obviously, Sam Tickles not losing that that goalkeeper shirt now. And we may need to bring in an experienced replacement, but I wouldn't mind seeing him go if we can get a fee for him, definitely. I think maybe centre-back. I would like the idea of another sort of centre-back if we can get him. With Charlie Hughes out, I know we've got uh, Liam Morrison there and Cal Watts. I just think that it's always good to just have an extra centre-back around. I'm not sure if James Carragher is up to it just yet because I know that he's, he had his injury last season. And I don't know how long he's going to be until he's back sort of at a level. But if we can get somebody in who's who's ready but understands a bit of a fringe player, then then I'd be happy with that. One player went out on loan last week. Luke Robinson went to St Johnston and made his debut on Saturday away at Celtic Parkhead. And they got a, a very creditable goalless draw. I think Luke had a, a big game, didn't he? He did, yeah. They were playing against Celtic and on a, on sofa score again, if you actually look at the momentum bar from the game, which sort of tells you just how the game is going, it was pretty much all Celtic, minor two, minor blitz for where they must have had a bit of a collapse in the defensive line. But it was, yeah, Celtic were applying all the pressure. But Luke Robinson apparently made 10 clearances in the game, started the game, I think played the full 90. So that's the kind of experience I want him to have. I know he struggled a lot last year. He had the injury at Tranmere Rovers, pretty much put him out for the whole season. I think he only played a handful of games at the start of the season, if that. But I think this will be a good good move for him. A bit like, Jamie, I know we haven't seen him because he's moved now, but Jamie McGrath, when he went to Dundee United last season, it's, it's sometimes good for players to go to struggle inside. And they're St. Johnston are at the bottom of the league, I think. So sometimes it's good for that because it, it teaches them a bit of resilience and trying to fight for something rather than getting a, an easy ride. We'll be back on Wednesday with a look at what's been going on and also a preview of our trip to the seaside. I'd like to give a massive thanks to Dan for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you on board. We'll be back on Wednesday. So until then, it's a, it's a goodbye from me and up the ticks and come on. Up the ticks.